Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to another episode of the UConn Football Podcast. This is Amon Kidwai. I am joined by Luke Swanson today. Here to break down the UConn versus Central Connecticut football game, on uh, which took place on a beautiful day, Saturday at Rensselaer Field, the Huskies took care of business, winning twenty-eight to three, and we have learned a little bit more about about this team under Jim Mora. Of course, a new starting quarterback for the second game in a row. Uh, as as Zion Turner started her, his first career game. But definitely some interesting takeaways from the game. Luke, to start, what did you like from the Huskies' performance on Saturday? I liked what UConn did. They, they, they looked good at good on and off in, in all phases of the game. Well, most phases of the game, as uh, as we'll, we'll come to uh, talk about. But they looked good. They uh, – they were able to win by multiple scores over an FCS team for the first time in a decade, which um, was always good to see. So I think overall, I mean, there's there's going to be things to pick apart. There's going to be things to analyze, as there always is. But I, I think overall, a good performance and, and certainly nothing to be worried about. Yeah, I mean, one of those things that, you know, if you talk about things that you did want to clean up from the Huskies' performance, they did lose the turnover battle. Uh, which you definitely don't want to see ever, but especially not against an FCS opponent, three to one. I do think some of those turnovers are maybe fixable errors. One is a is a pump return fumble. Uh, the other was a strip sack uh, on Zion Turner. Uh, losing the turnover battle, though, not not a great look against an FCS opponent. Well, turnovers are more random than anything else in the very random sport of football. So I think that's why it's always a little suspect when you hear defensive coordinators talk about being aggressive and creating turnovers. His turnovers aren't really a thing. Turnovers themselves aren't really a thing that you create. Turnover opportunities are created, but it's a coin flip statistically, whether it gets recovered by the offense or the defense. So it's hard to, hard to really quantify. So I think that of all the things that we might have to complain about, I don't think that one's especially bad. You'd, you'd like the quarterback to make a little better decisions, but I don't, I don't think it's a nightmare. I, I think it's uh, easily coachable. Mm-hmm. Right. Ultimately, they they outgained them significantly. They ran the offense more efficiently. They, again, did all the things they were supposed to do, one time of possession, ran more plays. Uh, they dominated them physically, especially towards the end. Um, and I think, you know, we can't let's just start to talk about the offense and the performance of freshman quarterback Zion Turner. I think overall he, he made a lot of really smart decisions out there as well. Um, I thought he did some option plays. He had some plays where he went to a second read. It looked like Um, I, I think he did a pretty good job considering the circumstances and at least looked like, He's someone who could be a, a feasible starter 
continuing to be the feasible starter going forward? I think that we saw a lot of good things about, uh, from Zion Turner. I think that, first off, he made a lot of better decisions in, in the run game, like when to, when to tuck it from the pocket. Uh, there were a couple more read options that we saw. So uh, it was nice to see, see him gain some good yardage on those plays and be really decisive there, which is something we definitely didn't really see from him as a runner against Utah State. And then in the past game, I think that he was making good throws. He was putting balls in the receiver's hands. And just in the first half, at least, there were a couple of key drops there that, that made it pretty tough, which is going to be something that they're going to have to work on with the top two receivers, top two pass catchers out for the season or potentially out for the season. But I think that in the second half, a lot of those guys redeemed himself. Like Aaron Turner, love the guy to death but uh, he doesn't have the surest hands in the world. And there were, uh, I think there were a couple of drops in the first half from him. And then in the second half, he showed when you get in the ball, when he can actually catch the ball, when you get the ball in his hands, he's electric. He's, he's a, a tremendously shifty runner. He, he's very athletic. Saw him a couple of screen passes. So that was nice to see. Uh, Brandon Aminsky tight end had a drop in the first half, came back in the second half, uh, made, made a good catch, made a, touchdown catch so that was good to see it, it, it was good to see it pick up in the second half i think that we saw turner drop back and make some reads in the game which is definitely not something we saw against utah state i think that he, he, he worked through his progressions he showed his worth as a pocket passer which is is what i think that he's going to end up being at uconn a pocket pass passer who, who just has enough legs to, to uh, make the defenders worry about that instead of more of a, more of a mobile quarterback like Robertson would have been. But I think that overall, I did like what I saw from Zion Turner and people will talk about the fumbles, the interception, just uh, they'll talk about that. But the interception at the end of the half was more of a situation of him trying to do too much, trying to force it. Again, I think it was uh, Jolie who was open, but he was covered by two guys, but there was a window there and it hit him in the hands, uh, dropped to a, a central defender. And then the, the fumble people will say it should have gotten the ball earlier, which is kind of a general rule for quarterbacks, but uh, the defenders were right in his face, uh, came right, right up the A gap, not a whole lot you could done, he could have done. So I think that the turnovers, you'd obviously not want to see that, but again, not, the end of the world and stuff that I think at least that interception easily fixable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think ultimately you get, again, you have to remember the context and given that things are pretty solid, we can build on this and yeah. just, you know, uh, also worth saying good to be just doing normal football analysis of this team and not worrying. Are they again, one of the worst football teams ever assembled? So at yeah. least that's, that's not the case right now. So we have uh, we have at least a football team to really evaluate here. The running game, you know, always was going to be an important aspect of the UConn offense. I think maybe a little bit more so now that Turner is the, the starter going forward. Nate Carter had another really strong game with 123 rushing yards and a touchdown. I think it was also interesting to just see some of the other weapons out of the backfield emerge, including Brian Bruton, 
who had 62 rushing yards and 17 receiving yards. We also saw Devontae Houston, uh, who definitely seems to have some big play potential with 41 rushing yards and uh, oh shoot, 18 receiving yards. So I, I really thought that that was a something new for us, just just in terms of seeing who else is out there in terms of Carter, because for things to work for this offense, it's going to have to be multiple guys making plays out of the backfield. You also mentioned Aaron Turner, who's a little bit of a hybrid player, maybe a little bit more of a receiver, but ultimately looks like there is some, some depth behind Carter as well. And the run game is something UConn Uh could be decent at. Yeah. First off in the running game, Nate, uh, Nate Carter, he's a star, but I I feel like, going to be a broken record on this podcast all season long, but he's just a tremendous, tremendous football player. He hit every hole like like his life depended on it. Uh, on Saturday, he was very dynamic in the running game. He's very shifty, very elusive. Seemed like every time he handed the ball, it, it was an automatic five yards, and then everything else was, great, was gravy after that. Then Bruton, I think that <clears throat> he's uh, he's Growing into the role of the backup running back coming into the season, I think that his role in the team was a little bit nebulous in the depth chart of being taken off some uh, some punt return duties and back on kick return duties uh, this week. But I think that being used as a backup running back in sort of a in sort of the, some uh, some off tackle runs, but also some um, some less uh, less traditional ways of getting in the ball, some, some sweeps, some depth sweeps, some toss sweeps that kind of thing, some, uh, some stretch plays. I think that's, that's kind of where we're going to be seeing him and, uh, in Houston, which Houston, I don't know how big of a role he's going to be used this year. Uh, I think, uh, four carries for 40 for 41 yards is about probably, I don't want to say best case scenario, but definitely what they're looking for from him. I think like that, I think they're more than happy with that, but I, I think that it just shows that they have a couple weapons on offense, especially in the running game and how they're used throughout the season. I think that there's a lot of potential there. And, and just to zoom out a little bit, what did you think about the offense as a whole? I mean, uh, second game under Nick Charlton, uh, one, one stat that stood out to me really strong, 14 of 19 on, on third down. Again, not the greatest competition. We will always, always have that caveat, but that's really strong execution, you know, for when, when the moment is big, so to speak. That's a, that's a version of being... Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a sign of a good team, no matter when it happens, to be converting that many third downs. But uh, obviously the passing game is a little bit in flux in terms of who is going to be a, a leading, uh, a leader out of that group of pass catchers now. But what did you think about the offense as a whole? I think that we, we, we saw a lot of good things again, a lot of, a lot of good route concepts. Less, uh, I, I think that 
there was a lot of uh, a lot of more inside runs and it was it was a similar thing to to week one where the, the the running concept started out really basic in the first half and sort of developed as the game went on there were there were a, a couple drives in the first half where uh UConn was having absolutely no problem uh going down the field and getting in scoring position uh these drives ended with uh with a fumble and uh, a blocked kick uh, respectively but i think that obviously it, against a lesser opponent and and again <laughs> it's funny for me to say lesser opponent yukon has had a lot of trouble with uh teams at this level in recent years so just re- for us to say that it's not something we should take for granted but w- with that aside uh yukon against a lesser opponent uh, lesser athletes were able to basically move the ball at will for a lot of the game. And I think that a scheme, it, I, I think that the good scheme is a part of that. I think that certainly if game one was sort of the shock of, okay, hmm, these are some really, really interesting run concepts that we got going on here. So some interesting blocking schemes, uh, the, some screens when it's pretty clear that the offensive line is overmatched in, um, in pass blocking. I think that was sort of a, oh, okay, this is the offense we got going on here. And central is sort of the proof of concept that it can be used in, in sort of a smart way to, uh, cho- to choke out a team, especially in the second half. Like, UConn had a couple drives in the second half that were uh, like 11 plays, 80 yards, taking up like six minutes a game clock. And it's not like quite like army level, like triple option, like, oh, we're just going to we're just going to suck up an entire quarter with one drive that scores three points and not let you touch the ball. It wasn't quite that level, but uh, it, it it's drives like that that at least lets me know that the offensive play calling staff knows what they're doing and they know what kind of game they're in. They know that they're in a game where like you, you're sort of you're, you're sort of the big boys holding your uh, holding your little cousin at at arm's length, holding his head out and his arms and legs are waving everywhere. That's the kind of game that UConn should be in against Central. And in the second half, that's what happened. Right. I mean, you know, throughout the first half, we can certainly admit there was uh, some fear around where things were heading in terms of this game. Part of that was the early turnovers. Uh, Early on, Central was moving the ball a little bit. and it was a close game early. Central got on the board first with a field goal to go up 3-0. It was just 7-3 at the half. UConn missed another scoring opportunity at the end of the half with the, the aforementioned interception. So uh, I, I think, again, good, good, good job by then clamping down in the second half and competing. Uh, what about the defense? I thought that... You know, like we were saying, they they had a good had a shaky start, but seemed to have figured things out by the second half. Yeah, that the defense. I think that again, like week one, the best thing I could have said again about the defense was the front seven. I think that they were bigger. That's a big group of guys, even with McCarthy in for McDuffie. Watts, Gordine, and McCarthy, that's a big physical uh, front three against uh, maybe undersized FCS offensive line, and they showed it. They had uh, something like, I think it was uh, four sacks, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, something like uh, 
four sacks and a bunch of no, three sacks, four tackles for loss, uh, a bunch of QB pressures. They were they were making uh, Central's life hell, sort of uh, throughout the game, and in the second half is when the whole defense as a whole sort of ratcheted up, ratcheted up the the pressure to say the least. There were a lot of good blitzes that I saw, and that was something that that I, I talked to more about after the game. That was some, that was part of the game plan going in. They uh, saw that they were getting zero pressure on the quarterback against Utah State, so they decided to address. There were a couple of things that uh, actually I, I think uh, Patrick said in the podcast last week that they should start to do. Maybe you got two great middle linebackers, send them on a double A get blitz. You got Swenson and Mitchell, and they'll get the quarterback. And that was uh, that was uh, one of the sacks that uh, occurred in the first half. I don't think it was a double A get blitz. I think it was a uh, a gap, B, gap blitz, but the hole was so wide open that they both managed, managed to, to go through the same area and get to the QB at the same time. But it, it's stuff like that that the defense did well and they can take to uh, to games in the future is just getting creative with uh, ways of getting after the quarterback. Like the defensive line, I'd say, didn't do terribly in the pass rush. It wasn't, they didn't blow me away at all, especially against an FCS opponent. Gordine sack was good, but I don't know what the quarterback, what uh, what Williams was doing on that play. It was a little, a little baffling to me, but um, I think that the pass rush it's, it's something they're going to have to get creative with going forward. Now, they're going to have to get creative with it because the passing defense still left a lot to be desired. It looked like these guys were just had nothing had changed since Utah State, there were guys wide open through basically throughout the whole game. I think um, the reason why they didn't really get anything going, especially in this in the second half, was Williams, the uh, central quarterback, was never really comfortable in the pocket, even when, even on, because uh, they're not going to get pressure on every snap. So even on the snaps where UConn maybe wasn't getting a ton of pressure on him. He still looked very shaky and was not throwing passes on target at all, especially in the second half. Like those last like two drives in the central game, there were some passes to guys who were pretty open that were just really not good. So that's, I mean, it was tough for them. You're very good for UConn, but still, if you're, if you can't lock down an FCS wide receiver core, it's going to be tough going forward. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe they're waiting for maybe they waited for after this game to make a couple of personal cha- uh, changes in that area. But um, I think if we're trying to be positive here, uh, I think the less less is that said about the UConn defensive backs and defense and uh, pass coverage, the better. To be honest, yeah. I I think uh, potential personnel changes is an interesting point to bring up. Certainly a possibility. Maybe we won't see it on the depth chart necessarily but it might take effect in snap counts or something like that I agree overall that not much has changed in terms of our evaluation of the defense still very concerned about the secondary uh definitely something that better teams are going to be able to exploit uh heavily so it was nice to see them mount some sort of pass rush albeit against an FCS opponent even just to get something going with the decent amount of consistency on the pass rush, I thought that was a good look. We'll see if that's something that they can recreate against against better teams. But 
Uh, yeah, the defense is is what we think it is. Another good day for Jackson Mitchell leading the team with six tackles. So he he continues to lead that defense. I think we don't want to. Yeah, which to- which might not seem like a lot, but they only put, they only ran something like forty seven plays. What what's up? So what was it? Fifty two. Fifty yeah. That's crazy. So I mean seven tackles you might look at sixteen versus seven, but Central was just in not not a great day for for their offense, to be honest. I mean three points you want to be putting up more than that, even if you are an FCS team against the lower tier FBS, but it was it was a little tough. They definitely left some points on, on the board as well. Like you mentioned, a, a couple of missed opportunities and the score could look a little bit different in terms of the final. Of course, the same is true for UConn. Yeah, I know PFF isn't the end-all, be-all, and some might con- even consider uh, Tucker, he's not, he might not be here today, but me and him might agree on uh, that we might consider PFF as an enemy of the show, potentially. <laughs> That's something we're looking into. But do you want to see how you want to know how far down we have to get the list? I get on the list of coverage grades per PFF uh, on the UConn defense before we get to an actual cornerback. I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> so we have Jackson Mitchell, noted linebacker, Malik Dixon, noted safety, Durante Jones, Brandon Boyer Randall, Ian Swenson, Tui Falamuina Brown, and Number six, or tied for six, Miles Bell. So uh, that's an idea of where where we're at. Uh, where we're at in, in terms of pass coverage, we have Miles Bell, the uh, best cor- the best uh, uh, cornerback from last year, tied with a freshman linebacker in terms of pass rushing grade. So it's 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 something we're looking into, certainly. It's not a great look, not a great look right now. And something that, again, could get ugly in the weeks to come. A couple of highly ranked opponents looming on the schedule in the near future for the Huskies. And next week, they're going up against Syracuse. We'll have a more in-depth preview of them later. But just off the bat, Luke, the Orange did take care of business with a pretty Dominant win over Louisville. How do you think that game's going to shake out, given that we now know a little bit more about our opponents and what we know about UConn now? Well, it's really going to be strength versus strength, right? Like Syracuse, they got they got an NFL running back, really, in Sean Tucker. He's just very uh, just a tremendous, tremendous player, and. He's going to be a handful. I mean, the UConn uh, front seven, they're good, but they're not also not in the top tier, I would say, especially with the lack of the pass, lack of pass rush. So, but I, I think that, uh, especially with linebackers like Jackson Mitchell and Ian Swenson and uh, big double, double team eating guys like Gordine. Now second and goal from the eight. Like Gordine on the defensive line, I think that Syracuse, they're going to have to work a little harder than they're probably used to to uh, to get their running game going. I think that they can. I think it will be a, a pretty decent Syracuse victory in the end. But it, it's just an interesting matchup. It's kind of strength versus strength here. I'm very interested in seeing how uh, how Jackson Mitchell matches up against Syracuse run. The very interesting and varied Syracuse 
running game. So that's really the one thing I have my eye on. I think that uh, Syracuse's defense did a pretty good job of uh, of uh, shutting Malik coming cutting him down. I think. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'd compare him as a as a uh, quarterback to to Turner. I think that Turner's a, a little bit more of a pocket passer. We'd be talking about that more about that uh, quarterback comparison if it was Robertson uh, behind the line. But I, I think that Syracuse didn't didn't really expect them to have a great defense this year, and they've uh, they've kind of exceeded expectations in that regard. I, I think in week one, so it'll be. It, it'll be an interesting matchup. I think uh, our wrench field on Saturday night is going to be rocking and that's going to be, it's going to be a really fun atmosphere. So uh, never say never. I think that there's always a chance of an upset. However, I think that, I don't know if it'd be too bold to say uh, Syracuse is near a level, like the way they're playing after that kind of a beat down of a, of a good ACC team, they're pretty close to a level uh, that Utah state was at. Uh, maybe even a, more of a talented team as of right now. I know Utah State they won the Mountain West. Obviously, great program. Don't want to uh, don't want to uh, put down a great group of I football where I can. But I think as of right now, they're still melding as a team versus Syracuse. I think they're more of a finished product. I think that they're. I mean, they didn't didn't have a tremendous 2021 season last year, but that was that was more of a building year versus this year is more of a more of a show me year in in, in the in sort of cycle of uh, Gino Babers. So it'll be, it'll be a good game for a while. I'm not confident in saying UConn will keep it close, but hopefully should be fun. Old uh, Big East rivalries coming back. Yeah. Big game day at the rent night game, hosting Syracuse, a rival that of course UConn fans love to hate. That's what it's all about. It is going to be, you know, I know we talked a lot before the season about what kind of game this might be, potential upset, uh, Tucker in spirit. You know, we will give some credit to him for for highlighting the potential for UConn maybe to be closer in this game than expected. But I think that's that's really still is the ceiling because Syracuse does have that advantage of being a member of the ACC and the recruiting that has come with that. And even being a mediocre ACC team is still a pretty solid level up on, on where UConn is right now. Where UConn struggled at points against Central is going to be places where it's going to struggle all day against Syracuse. I, I do think there's potential definitely for UConn, like you said, to keep it close, to make it competitive. Uh, anything can, of course, happen in, in, in the great, wonderful wide world of college football. UConn played a decent Utah State team close. Anything can happen. So, but yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, still going to be a pretty uphill battle for UConn. And Syracuse maybe looks a little better than we expected in the preseason, even if UConn does as well. All right, that's going to do it for us, folks. Thank you all for listening.